This is the Premier League Preview Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Premier underscore podcast. Find us on Facebook under Premier League Preview Podcast or online at plpreview.com. All hail Steve Bruce! <laughs> Jesus, no. God, no. Before we get started with this week's podcast, I just want to take a moment to unreservedly apologise to Steve Bruce, Newcastle and Mike Ashley for absolutely lambasting them last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Bruce had the master plan all along, didn't he? Yeah, he made us look like wallies anyway. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, this is the Premier League Preview Podcast. I'm Sean Fitzmaurice. I'm joined by the man with the stats, Mr. Owen Maloney. How we know. We're going to preview some of this week's games. In the first part of the show, we're going to look at Arsenal Spurs, which has to be the game of the weekend, followed by Southampton United and Everton Wolves. Let's crack on. Arsenal Spurs. I know, that's an interesting one. Lovely London derby. Club, two clubs that do not like each other one bit and two clubs that have probably made a less than satisfactory start to the season as well. So while it's only game week four, it feels like it's it's worth a lot, to be honest. It feels like this ga- this is a game that both sides will be desperate to win, especially after their performances last weekend. Arsenal looked very lacklustre against Liverpool at times. They were dominated for pretty much the entirety of the game. Bar Lucas Torreira's late consolation goal, they were just completely overpowered. And obviously Spurs uh, were just, as people used to say, with the old saying, like, oh, they Spurs the living you know what out of that one kind of felt like the Spurs did a bit at the weekend they were just had a lot of the possession and just could not break Newcastle down and looked kind of out of ideas a lot of the time just kind of trying the same thing over and over did not work and Newcastle kind of deservedly held on for the win yeah true I'd like to start off by talking about Arsenal alright fair enough now the reason I want to talk about Arsenal is now I'm not saying that Unai Emery listens to our podcast. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Remember, self-praise is no praise before you start. I, I'm not, like, this is probably the world's biggest coincidence whatsoever because <laughs> last week was our first ever podcast and we had a total of probably about 50 listeners. So one of them could very well have been Unai Emery. <laughs> I like those ads. <laughs> the reason I say this is because we sat here last week and I said that I believed that Unai Emery needed to play a diamond formation to get his two strikers into his squad Unai Emery's never played a diamond formation with Arsenal as long as he's been there in fact I don't even remember him playing a diamond formation at PSG or Sevilla I could be wrong on that but lo and behold this weekend <laughs> he played a diamond formation uh, yeah. and how did that and go how did that go for Arsenal absolute <laughs> fucking disaster <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, what happened was they just created this chasm of space for the two best full backs in the league to run into and just completely put their defence under pressure over and over and over yeah it was it really was it really was a nightmare um, why he thought like I know I thought a diamond formation was the way to go but then I'm not a Premier League manager yeah, <laughs> why he Thank thought God. a diamond formation, a narrow diamond formation against Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson was the way to go. I mean, I've never seen so many crosses put in in a football match. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, even even at that, it was men against boys. It just really highlighted the gap between what were last year's top two and mm-hmm. the chasing pack. It kind of, without obviously jumping the gun it does look like it's kind of going to be something similar this year a lot of the teams that could have pushed on maybe your Chelsea's your United's maybe Arsenal 
they still look to have the same failings they had last year. It doesn't look like too much has changed in the chasing pack and nothing has changed in the top two either. They they look like they're going to be as hard to beat as they were last year. So good luck to them. The only the only thing I think that could interrupt that, I think Liverpool are riding the crest of a wave at the moment. They're very buoyant after winning the Champions League and after doing so well last year. But they have quite a thin squad mm. and a squad of players who are all playing during the summer throughout the summer and had a lot of games last season so maybe maybe that's the only thing that will stand against them but as for City they're miles ahead anyway back to the game <laughs> after the, back to the game we were supposed to be talking about which is Arsenal versus Spurs and Unai Emery the tactical genius who listens to me oh god help us Um, well how do you see this one going I don't know this is a game eh. oh I don't know because Spurs looked out of ideas I thought against a Newcastle team that took a battering against Norwich the week before so unless Newcastle really turned around their form and put in a top class performance in North London I, I don't, don't think they did no I neither do I they, they just parked the bus yeah I mean and, and they couldn't break him down like Harry Kane had to drop very deep to, to get on the ball at times he was pushing out wide at times to try and get free get on the ball because there was just no real quality coming into him whatsoever like. I think Historically, Harry Kane starts seasons very slow. He does. He does. The last three or four seasons, he started very slow. He ended last season with a bad injury. He shouldn't have played in the Champions League final. Mm -hmm. So he is recovering from that injury. So as well as that, I think there's the whole Ericsson issue, which I thought last week when we spoke on the podcast, I thought that was over and done with and Ericsson was staying at the club. Mm. But it's obviously still an issue until Sunday when the window closes. Yeah not playing Ericsson in the game and expecting him to come on in the 65th minute and do something it, it really highlights the issue highlights the fact that there is an issue there and I know if Ericsson goes the answer to the problem is Lamella so Pochettino is probably hedge, hedging its <sighs> bets know. and putting putting Lamella in there yeah maybe but the best will in the world Lamella's not Ericsson no he's not and I don't I don't think Lamella is the type of player I, I know I've heard a lot of people saying that this might be the year that Lamella breaks through and really shines in a Tottenham jersey but I think that's been threatening for a few years now and I just yeah, it well, would have happened ha- already he did, he did have a bad injury which kind of mm. set him back a bit but I don't I think he's a good player don't get no, me wrong he is, he's he a good is, player yeah. and he's, he's a good number 10 but, but he ain't Ericsson he doesn't he have that Ericsson. creation and he's not like Ericsson gets the ball and gives it straight away you know that's the type of player he is he's, he knows the pass before he's got the ball like when you see him when he came on against Newcastle in the 65th minute he was just pinging balls out to the wing every time he got a chance as soon as he got it without even taking a first touch Lamella's not that player Lamella's got to try and run past people and create his own chances rather than creating chances for the likes of Harry Kane I, I think big time they were missing Eriksson mm. on Sunday because I think it was the 33rd or 34th minute before Spurs even had a shot and even not to mind a shot on target a shot it was Son who, who had a, a volley and it was saved obviously but um, that is ridiculous like like I just think there was no creation there and Kane was starved the ball they just looked out of ideas from early on and they never really looked like scoring and that's that has to be a worry and I think even a bigger worry was after the game Pochettino came out and said that there was a clear lack of desire in his squad and I think that is a big statement to make three games in that's a that to me says that he either doubts the morals of his squad and the minerals, or or else there's something going on there that we don't we don't know about. Maybe he's trying to just g them up and yeah, know, maybe it's a call fire, to arms, firing yeah. a bit of an insult at them is what 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 they need. But it's difficult to be the also runs every season. 
you know they got to the Champions League final last year which was great for them and they lost which is very demoralising for a squad they also you know finished second third kind of fourth the last few seasons and the squad hasn't really been improved there's no play- new players in so maybe those players are looking around themselves and saying what's the point yeah yeah it's it's a tough one and I suppose Arsenal is moving on to Arsenal like they're gonna they're gonna be in for an eye opening one like it looks like Arsenal are the exact same Arsenal with a couple of more players like we saw David Luiz giving away a silly penalty we talked about him at the weekend not being the, uh, the answer to Arsenal's uh, woes at the back and I think he kind of proved that he got absolutely skinned alive by Salah on the wing for Salah's it was a brilliant individual goal and then was it was Salah that he dragged back for the penalty as well it was wasn't Salah it yeah, he, yeah. Back, so yeah, he yeah. obviously had now most people will have a tough day at the office marking Mo Salah but he just they've added nothing to a defence that needed something to be added to it and it's just frustrating I'm not even an Arsenal fan and it's frustrating yeah, yeah. Luis he's, he's a really instinctive player and he, he kind of does these things without thinking you can see it when you watch him like the, the, the ball that bet Luis for the penal would beat any player yeah. it, it was it was a beautiful piece of skill from Firmino putting the ball into Salah a defender at that level should know I'm done here let him go and let my keeper deal with it mm-hmm. you don't grab a, another player's jersey so blatantly in the yeah. box like it, it, it and it I don't think I think it's just that he's that type of impulsive player it's not that he thought about it it's just did it out of pure instinct yeah and when you want to be competing with the top three or four in the league or trying to get back into the Champions League you need to have defenders with a cooler head than that big time big time and they don't have it now they both they're both coming off a demoralising weekend so what do you think where, where, where would your penny go I think the game is at on Saturday morning yeah so the Ericsson problem will still be in the air for Spurs until the window closes on Sunday and Ericsson is either a Spurs player or playing somewhere else I think there will still be an issue there I think the game is also at the Emirates where Arsenal you would expect them to be a little bit stronger yeah, I think they did the third best home record or something like that last season. They they, they were they were there they were very good at the Emirates. Yeah, and last a, a dire away record. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Arsenal on this one. Um, just because I think Emery probably he learned a lesson, a very hard lesson last week. The but in the the game previous, I thought they were very good. I thought the new signings, Ceballos looks very very good. Nicolas Pepe looks class he does he and does, when yeah, he, he clicks like in the Premier League make... he's going to be brilliant and I think the mood is kind of strangely the mood is down at Spurs so I think I think yeah. I'm going to go with Arsenal again it's a derby so you never know yeah. but on paper uh, given the way the two clubs are and the, at the moment I'm going to go with Arsenal 2-0 it's weird I, I always had this theory that ha- uh, half 12 games in the Premier League kind of negate form in some sort of strange way I don't know it's probably just one of these tin fo- tinfoil hat theories I have but for some reason it's just in my head I never liked Liverpool playing early I always thought they were susceptible to be caught if they played early for some reason I have that about Monday night games yeah see I suppose obviously it's quite clearly just in our heads I'd say statistically which I don't have to hand probably don't back that up at all but um, yeah I I'd kind of be tending to agree with you. Like, I can't believe that Pochettino came out and said that about the squad, considering this is a squad who were 
probably the better team for the majority of the Champions League final. Yeah. Do you know that like that's the that's an incredible achievement for Spurs to get to a Champions League final. They went on an incredible run last year and to secure Champions League football with a good run in the Premier League as well. So like to to start the season on such a negative mood to me seems that there's something else going on that hasn't been revealed yet. But right now I would favor Arsenal's strike power to get it done against Spurs and especially if Spurs look as lackluster as they did at the weekend I will say anybody who's listening to this podcast who uh, is into a bit of gambling does football accumulators I took all of our predictions last weekend <laughs> and I put on an accumulator cause, and I'm going to do it every week with, the prop, with, with this podcast uh, last week I put on an accumulator with our predictions and I didn't even make it past a Friday night game <laughs> God help us and save us yeah that, 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 that says a lot I think that says a lot and that's going to lead us into the next game we're going to talk <laughs> about which is Everton who had a dire performance against Aston Villa on Friday night lost me my accumulator and this week they welcome Wolves to Goodison Park yeah um, I was watching that game Friday night as were you and oh, they were poor now they were very bad against Villa they like you have to say Villa were fully deserving of it and when Everton did pile on the pressure again kind of looked out of ideas Awobi to me he was unlucky I think he hit the post mm. uh, he, he he created a nice good bit of space for himself he was unlucky to hit the post but that's the only clear cut chance I remember Everton having and they didn't it, until they brought Awobi, on, Awobi and their other new signing whose name escapes me Moze Keane is it yeah, yeah, yeah. Keane sorry yeah. until they brought the two of them on in the second half they really didn't look at the races at no. all and both of us called that game last week as a 2-0 victory for Everton yeah and it was the other way around it was completely <laughs> the other way around now, now hats off to Aston Villa they were brilliant yeah they and played really well Villa Park looks like it's going to be a fun place to go for uh, for FIFA this year doesn't it the absolutely, crowd was yeah, absolutely yeah. rocking you have to give it to them they really created an atmosphere but um, Villa maybe just took a couple of games to find their feet in the Premier League they conceded a few goals early on they looked fairly solid at the back hard to know everything didn't create too much but um, yeah like everything lackluster enough and Wolves Wolves were lucky to get a draw uh, against Burnley last week to be fair 95th minute penalty from Jimenez to rescue a point Go, going into this game but also going in further into the season they played nine games already yeah with their yeah, Europa, Europa League, League qualifiers and for, for a team like Wolves that's that's a lot of games you know and we've seen that before with Everton and West Ham in previous years yeah. it can take a lot out of you early on and it can kind of put you on the, the back foot then starting off the Premier League season and if you don't have a bit of a squad which Wolves kind of don't really like mm. It can, it can come back and bite you so it'll be interesting to see how that transpires yeah but now I, I didn't see many of the Europa League games but from reading match reports it sounds like they're using as many fringe players as they can but even still it, that, that takes its toll on a squad yeah big time big time but um, Everton like they made some big money signings this season they look to have a bit of a squad but like this season and last season yeah it, it just it doesn't seem to be translating too much I don't know pressure might be on Silva a small bit I think it is and he, he looked like a he looked like a forlorn man on, on the, the sideline on Friday night yeah Um. now hopefully this game against Wolves it's at Goodison they'll have the fans behind them it's not an easy place for anybody to go no it isn't and Wolves there's they are st they're struggling with the amount of games they're playing you could see that they, that at the weekend Um. I think 
Nuno Espirito Santo. Yeah, you got it in one. <laughs> Easy for I, you to say. I, I think he's a great manager. He just, he epitomizes calm, even in his interviews. Mm. And, and I think the Wolves over the, the last season, especially last season, they really responded to that and they did very well. But this could be the season with the extra games that could could pose trouble for them. Yeah, but I suppose, I know it's the Carabao Cup or whatever, the FL Cup, whatever you want to call it. Like, But Everton... We're trailing to Lincoln the other evening, and uh, two all for a lot. Of, we're two all at one stage as well after going ahead. Eventually, one four two, but like they're kind of just showing signs that they're not in form at the minute. So, if you were to put a gun to my head now, I think I think Wolves to get a point. I think it'll be a draw. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree with you too much. I'm not sure what's going on at Everton because they have some excellent players, and the players they bought, you would expect them to be as we said last week, up challenging mm. around the top six of the Premier yeah. League, um, which is where they started last season and then just very quickly dropped off after Christmas and they haven't really seemed to pick it up. So unless something turns around, yeah, bar- bar- Silva barring could be that a- evisceration of United, we have to get that one in. <laughs> barring the evisceration of United that they like they they, they kinda did kind of fall over the line in, in the second half of the season. But I think with just one point about a Wobi, it'll be interesting. We'll probably find out the mark of him now this season because I suppose he he had to play out left at times for Arsenal last year and he he wasn't played in a central role. He's probably going to be played in a central role now for Everton. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on and I think he kind of does like for f- close to what's it nearly 40 million euro he was signed for like he'll kind of want to prove a point yeah absolutely but I just I don't I don't believe in him to be honest yeah, I just no. don't see him doing I, it I didn't believe in him in Arsenal and I, I remember he played he did get to play centrally quite a bit for Arsenal and he never really did anything that made me think he looked like a player mm. he looked like a squad player at Arsenal at the best yeah, of times and now maybe he'll prove us all wrong at Everton it remains to be seen but predictions for this one I'm going to go a draw as well probably at best 1-1 one, one. that's what I that's it. you read my mind 1-1 one, one, I reckon I think Wolves will get a point okay start writing these down for your accumulators <laughs> so you can lose money <laughs> regularly we'll, we'll take a little break there we'll come back we'll talk about Southampton United and Newcastle Watford Welcome back to the second part of the Premier League Preview Podcast. Uh, up in this section, we're going to be talking about Southampton United and Newcastle Watford. Let's start at Southampton United. Lovely stuff. Southampton, good win last weekend against Brighton 2-0. Uh, fairly, talk, the talking point of the game for me was the, the red card of Andone on Jan Valery. It was a disgusting tackle. I think he should get a ban for it. He went in way above the ball near knee height if Valerie wasn't able to pivot the way he was so that the tackle glanced off his leg I think he was in trouble I think he would have broken his leg and I think that was just disgusting that was just a rant that I had to get out of the way but Southampton you're a bit of a Hassan Huttle fanboy I believe so yeah you're you're enjoying this at the minute yeah I am and I, I do like Hassan Hassel Huttle mm-hmm. um, and I I reckon he's going to have a good season I said that last week I know he inherited the, t- the team last year and this is this yeah. will be his first proper season and I I just I know they call him the Austrian club uh, and he hates that but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I I just think he's in for a good season and I and I like I like Southampton as a side as well um I like the way they recruit players I like the way they bring through young players and so I just like I'd like to see them do well yeah for sure for a while there they've kind of served just pretty much as Liverpool's academy obviously Bale came through there as well they're well able to spot talent 
but um, I suppose now United coming to town, it's not going to be easy. I know Southampton gave Liverpool a, a cracker of a game. They were they had them under all types of pressure for most of the game. They were very unlucky to lose that, and um, they're going to give United a bit of a challenge. And United aren't exactly while they're kind of the better team in the games they're playing. They still only have four points after after three games. I mean that's that's the talking point. Yeah, I think there'll there'll be a touch of the wounded animal about United going to mm. Southampton. They'll be desperately looking for a result. Uh, if they have any players left because most of them are in Italy at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah mass exodus alright Lukaku uh, Sanchez joining him Smalling as of today has gone to Inter yeah did that, has that I know Roma through? sorry he's gone, gone to Roma, Roma. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, he's gone uh, last I read it was it was in progress we're recording this on Thursday evening um, so yeah yeah. so hopefully there's a few United players left to travel to Southampton <laughs> but I do I do think it's going to be a very tough test for Southampton yeah, well, as you said, it'll, for United, it'll be win at all costs. Now they've they've dominated they dominated the Wolves game, got a point only, should have won that. Uh, dominated for most of the game against Palace, ended up losing it, <laughs> which is uh, like more penalty was um, last minute winner for but from Van Aanholt. Just everything that could have went wrong for United in the first three games, yeah, has we, gone wrong. We'll we'll talk more about uh, Palace in a while when we we discuss Palace Villa, but. Every season, Palace have their one or two big scalps. Yeah, I mean they 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 got City last year. They got Liverpool the season before, and they've already started this season with their big scalp at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, that that was their first win against uh, United in the Premier League. We talked about that last week. They had sixteen losses and four draws. So twenty first time lucky, you know. It just unbelievable. just goes to show. Keep going. Unbelievable and. As I said, we'll talk more about them later, but yeah, but uh, I, they did they did a job on United. They did, and United again. They it was was it the eighty ninth minute when Daniel James scored to to level it. They were knocking and knocking and knocking, but they just couldn't find a way through. Like United have huffed and puffed, I think, at the start of the season. They've shown glimpses in times, but they've also shown frailties at times again. Absolutely. And like while Wan Bissaka and Harry Maguire are welcome additions, Harry at times can flatter to deceive. He can be. A, he can look world class at times and other times he can make kind of simple mistakes like you saw at the weekend I don't yeah. know if you did you see that meme on um, did you see that meme on Twitter it was brilliant uh, if, you, if you type in Harry Maguire 80 million you'll, it'll surely pop up but it's a video and it's uh, t- it, uh, it's entitled uh, this is what 80 million pounds can get you nowadays and it was Harry Maguire coming out with the ball with the weirdest gatch of a run you've ever seen in your life and it's like he's blind because there's three palace players and he tries to thread it through them uh, I can't remember who's out in the wing but he tries to try to throw him out and it goes straight to a Palace player and they start to counter-attack it's like <laughs> what in the name of God were you trying there yeah, I, but, I, uh, I didn't see the meme but I, I, I did actually see it happening during the game it, it cuts afterwards Solskjaer's face and he's just sitting there and he's just like are you for real <laughs> it's so good it, it's very well crafted but um, yeah United have huffed and puffed they, they, at times they look very good but at times they look like the United of last year and that's they've kind of been sporadic for the last couple of years now yeah. they, they can look like two completely different teams in the same game and again that I think that reared its head the last few weeks and it'll just be interesting to see bit of a journey down to Southampton yeah, it's kind of a place not really wanting to go right now they're bringing form Southampton are bringing form into this game United are bringing a bit of form but they're kind of huffing and puffing as, as we said so while I think United should get it done should is a dangerous word with Man United right now I think very yeah, dangerous absolutely I said it last week and I'll, I'll say it again this week I, I definitely think that there is 
a dressing room problem at United. There's a Paul Pogba problem. You know? There is a Paul Pogba problem. Well, it w- last week it was a dressing room problem, problem, but now Sanchez has gone to Italy, so it's yeah. more likely a. Paul we can't Pog- blame him anymore. A Paul Pogba problem, which is almost as much of a tongue twister as Premier League preview <laughs> podcast. I actually went to bring that up with you. What made you pick that name with three P's in it? Just so it's an absolute tongue twister to say. Well, I, I picked it in my head before I ever had to say it and the first time I had to say it was last week on the mic and it just proved very difficult and now every time I say it I have to say it really slowly like Premier League preview podcast we'll get the hang of it but anyway um, yeah Southampton while I would like as obviously a Liverpool fan I I think we're not going to closet ourselves anymore this is 2019 we can come out when we want to obviously we're both Liverpool fans so we'd love to see Southampton get a result here but Eventually, United are going to get just angry. They're going to be pissed off that the season hasn't gone their way so far. They've played well enough in three games and only gotten four points. They're going to be angry, and I think they're going to bring that anger. Oli is going to really put them to the task now and say, look, stand up. It's time to stand up and cop on a bit now and just kick on and get the results that we deserve. And I think that will start this weekend, unfortunately. Daniel James looks like a tidy young player. He does he does yeah I didn't really like celebration after his goal now I was going to say that yeah, was a bit meh. yeah and he, I, I was kind of a little bit of me was delighted when it wouldn't have been wouldn't scored. have been so bad if Van Arnholt hadn't have scored straight afterwards but exactly yeah no he's a he's a bit early to be doing the Beckham celebration it, 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 it is I think and especially when you're when you're 1-0 down to Palace in the 89th minute that's not a celebration you do for that <laughs> that's that's if you're 2-3-0 up against Liverpool at Old Trafford then you'll do that but um, look he's a, he's a youngster he's very speedy he looked class in the championship last year and he looks like he's going to have a, f- a serious future at Man United but uh, yeah we, he could he could do it uh, less of the NFL celebrations now and concentrate on the field uh, yeah, he's only a young lad and you know scoring a goal in Old Trafford is, is, is a big thing for a young lad true true look if he does the Ryan Giggs celebration we leave him off but, <laughs> but anyway yeah, um, I don't think Fergie would have stood for that celebration to be honest. <laughs> no I don't think so no and he would have gotten an absolute bollocking in the dressing room afterwards uh, after Van Aanholt scored so yeah, yeah. he can be thankful he's not there at the minute so what's your prediction for this game uh, I'm going to go with United but a reticent two I'm going to it's it's high, tight call I think tight call but I'm going to go United 2-1 I reckon eventually the, the fire in the belly will translate the goals on the field and I think it will come out this weekend and I think they'll have enough for Southampton yeah I've got to go with Southampton ooh that's a big call now I like I, that I, I, like I that. just I, I'm just a bit of a Southampton fanboy I know you are yeah, yeah. sure look we uh, all have our faults uh, and, and I like Hassan Hootel I like the way they play and I would just love to see them beat United but oh so would I don't get me wrong I'd love to see Danny Ings come on and score too like it'd be beautiful <laughs> like maybe Shane Lang get a goal but yeah okay I'm gonna go with Southampton by a goal alright I'll go United by one okay nice one yeah. right we'll move on to Newcastle Watford Newcastle okay we'll just get this Newcastle stuff out of the way now because I'm sick of thinking about Newcastle um they surprised us last weekend without doubt or we kind of just spent half our podcast last week chastising Newcastle and that it was a complete travesty that Steve Bruce was there the club was going nowhere they were in serious trouble and then they come out and beat the Champions League finalists of last year so and, and away from home as well yeah, and, and thoroughly deserved to, to, to win it has to be said they defended really well they ha- Steve Bruce had his game plan spot on and they, the, the players translated on the field perfectly they, they carried it out to a tee and it was lovely in fairness 
Joe Linton was a, a serious injury doubt, but he did play and he took the goal really well. It has to be said. Looks like, like a good player. He, I have to say, he does now. He looked, he looked good against Spurs. Like the jury was out in him after the first two games. People thought he hasn't really settled in yet. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on coming from Hoffenheim. He never really like lit up the Bundesliga when he was there. So people thought forty million or so for him was a bit of a reach, but um, he showed a lot of class. To to the touch was gorgeous to mm. take the ball in. And he, he, he had plenty of composure to finish it. So Absolutely. They, they, they thoroughly deserved their win against Spurs. They, that'll take the pressure off the player, the squad more so, and Steve Bruce now. Well, I think the pressure's on me because I picked Newcastle and Crystal Palace as two of my teams to get relegated last week <laughs> when we picked our teams to be relegated. And both of them made an absolute fool out of me at the weekend. <laughs> sure, look, sure, look, there's a long season in it. We won't panic yet. But... um. They'll be going home now again after getting a good result away from home. The fan, the pressure will be off a small bit. They might be able to play with a bit more freedom. And yeah, maybe uh, it was a bit of a false dawn saying that Newcastle were finished. We'll have to see yet because yeah. I mean, they look very one-dimensional, I think. The so their supporters were incredible at, at Spurs. They like. were, to be fair. I'd, I'd say there was about three of them that actually had tops on by the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, but it was, it, was, it was like, it sounded like a new home Newcastle game. Yeah, and you, to be fair, yeah, it did. I don't know again we go back to Spurs like there's some sort of bad mood at the club and it seems to be translating to the fans but they were silent the Spurs fans were silent yeah. and it was just Newcastle fans and listen there's lots of people who say you know negative football and it's not what the game is about and they don't want their club playing this sort of thing but if you can go away to the Champions League's final fi if you're in Newcastle and you can go away to the Champions League Champions League finalists and take away the win yeah I think to be honest you see these results in the Premier League sometimes and you can't really take them at massive face value to be honest mm. I would imagine that that will re register as an aberration in, in a trajectory for Newcastle I don't see that being the norm to be honest oh no <laughs> that, that would be my guess absolutely not but I don't think we can we can lambaste Steve Bruce for going no. there and playing a defensive no game. no no it's well, exactly what it's exactly what Rafa would have done. Yeah, Rafa would have done there, gone to the Spurs and done exactly the and same. And everyone would be calling him a, ge a genius, exactly. Rafa tactical master, exactly a, a mastery. But um, I think why people were critical of Steve Bruce, obviously going, he was talking about going to Norwich like a team just newly promoted and trying to nick a point and play defensive. That's yeah. a different kettle of fish yeah. than going to going to Spurs and doing that. But yeah, and coming out and saying that is telling your players that you believe you're a relegation side before yeah. you even started the season like you're admitting your squad is very limited and you're doing the best with what you have and that's not sending the right message but that didn't seem to bother them too much at the weekend they performed really well they carried the game plan out to a tee and they were good on the counter so they're not without hope but I would if I was a Newcastle fan I wouldn't get too excited either but you know this is probably the perfect game for them because Watford are having a bit of a stinker at the moment they themselves are. they are Javi Gratia he was he was really good last season and, and Watford were really good but they haven't won in 11 games 11 Premier League games now they won in the Carabao Cup this week but before that they haven't won in 11 games yeah going back into last season it's it's not it's not boding well no it's not and they had a disastrous start last week against West Ham I don't know what the core was doing but it was one of the worst tackles if an under 12 player did it you'd say he is absolutely clueless yeah and it was just terrible terrible start giving mark noble a penalty after two minutes he is metronomic from the penalty spot he doesn't miss that often and he slotted it and west ham built uh, took the lead and after that really it was curtains they eased away to victory and watford looked to be in trouble i think are they the only team that hasn't registered a point yet i could yeah. be wrong yeah i think you're right yeah 
I, I'm almost certain that they're the only team that hasn't registered a point in the Premier League, and that is just yeah. As we as we as we as we didn't we promised we didn't Google that, but um, <laughs> they're three points adrift at the bottom already after three games, and the signs aren't good. So and as you say, this is probably the perfect game for Newcastle now. But if Newcastle revert to type, it may be the best game for Watford too to try and get points on the board. I think. Given that the game is at St. James's Park, I think Steve Bruce will be very foolish not to go for it. Yeah, all agreed. And that's another journey from London up to Newcastle. Not ideal. And we all know, regardless of the kind of mood around the club, the fans put in a shift every week in St. James's Park. It looks like it's never an easy place to go. Like, like the, the fans were incandescent I think is the word when uh, when Steve Bruce was, was appointed as manager they, they were not happy no, but, they really weren't but six points two wins in a row it changes people's minds very quickly yeah it does it does and I nearly say I know it's a it's a terrible way to be thinking but Newcastle fans I'd say will be thinking of that win la- uh, last weekend as three points closer to safety and it's only the third game week and yeah. I think it will be the very same thing again if we, they go and beat Watford it will be a case of we are four games in we've started with six points we'll take that that's yeah. the, you know, and, and, and I think and that's it's the looking way like it's going to be for Newcastle I think Newcastle fans are going to be looking over their shoulder and looking above them all season it's going to be about grinding it out goal difference you know, it's going to yeah, be that yeah. type of it and game like Watford is really a six pointer for them given Already the way Watford is. have yeah. started and the way they finished last season so I do think we're not going to be treated to a lot of goals in this game no no I think this is going to be a game that if you went out and walked your dog and missed it I don't think you're going to be too mad about that to be you honest could probably, you could probably still write the match report I'd in fact we could probably write it now <laughs> yeah, I would say so I would say so I'm I'm not fully sold on the Steve Bruce machine yet <laughs> so I am gonna what I'm gonna go <laughs> an android Steve Bruce um, yeah Steve Bruce sex machine <laughs> he already is a sex machine look at that face but um, I'm gonna go with a nil all boring draw but I think one that will get I think it'll be a game where Watford will get their first point of the season but Newcastle would only love to put six points between them and Watford already that's a big gap for a team like uh, to have over a team like Watford who are going to be struggling and I think that will be the motive in the back of the Newcastle players heads while it's only the fourth game of the season I don't care what you say they know their position in the Premier League most teams do they know what they're going to be in for this season and they know that this is a big game and with the fans behind them they might just edge it but I just am not sold on Newcastle yet I think that was a terrible performance from Spurs at home and I think you're going to see Newcastle still struggle this season I'm going to go for them to basically grind out a nil all at home against Watford that would be my yeah, I, I'm cents. going to side on the side, side, come down on the side of Newcastle. Um, uh, just, you're just, you, uh, you've just splinters in your arse now from sitting on the fence. You, were, <laughs> you, ro- you, you roasted him last week, and you, that's it. You're making up for it now. I that's know, what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm going to send him some chocolates and flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the Steve Bruce sex machine. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus, help us! But uh, no, I, I think the, I think the fact that Watford are in such poor form at the moment, the fact that it's at St James's Park and the mood is high at Newcastle from last week and I really like what I've seen from Joe Linton against Spurs so I'm going to go Newcastle 1-0 that's fair enough that's fair enough you could be right but uh, I'm just this is a completely uninspiring fixture I could be right but I was wrong a lot of times last week (laughs) (laughs) even a broken clock is right twice a day exactly well I, I think we picked 
the results for nine fixtures last week because we forgot to talk about Man City. <laughs> yeah, well, but we knew that was a dead rubber anyway. Exactly, but uh, for a lot of it, it didn't look like a dead rubber. To be fair, but Bournemouth had him under pressure for the second half of the first half, and Harry Wilson got an absolute cracker to to go in two one. Yeah. So and like they had again at the start of the second half, they had City under a bit of pressure. City didn't look as composed as they usually might. But once they got the third goal, that was that, and it was game over after yeah, that. But um, yeah. yeah, they think they just tend to get it done. Yeah, they just yeah. tend to get it done. Well, we'll talk about them in the next part of the podcast. We'll take a little break now because I just need to stop thinking about Steve Bruce the sex machine. <laughs> <laughs> Now, welcome back. In this part, we're going to talk about some scintillating fixtures like <laughs> Palace Villa. Oh, West Ham Norwich. Oh, Burnley Liverpool. Oh, that would actually be too. Yeah, I know. We'll enjoy talking about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's start Palace Villa. Cracking win for both teams last week. Yeah wins they both needed especially for Villa at home got the kind of fans rolling behind them got their Premier League kick started after a couple of poor defeats and they just kind of stuttered to the start of the season they looked like they played really good football last year in the championship and kind of teams uh, a lot of sorry a lot of people not teams a lot of people were excited to see what Villa brought to the Premier League yeah. the style they play they play some nice football but they kind of hadn't started well and then they get go and they kind of were completely deserving of the the two 0 against Everton. While the the, the the goal was the second goal was very late on, it was in added time. It was one of the greatest goals in in the world either. But they'll take it. They 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 were completely deserving of the victory. And I suppose they they're up and running now. But Palace, I think, will uh, take more heart out of their victory away to to United, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. But that that might be them hanging up their boots for the rest of the season. <laughs> It's possible, it's possible. You did, they're the funniest team to get a handle on because like, they didn't get a point from their first six games last year and everyone thought they're completely, completely goose. They have to be relegated. There's no way they can recover from that, like forfeiting so many points. They go and finish 11th. Know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or was it 10th? They finished 10th or 11th. I can't remember which. I think it was 11th actually, but they were, Newcastle were 10th. Yeah. So uh, like, how is that even possible? Like, do you know, <laughs> to 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 to, to, oh, to leapfrog that many teams after six games in the Premier League is not easily done because the, we all know how competitive and fierce a league it is. Like, yeah, I was listening to uh, another podcast during the week. The I think it was the Guardians Football Podcast, and there was a very good point made about Palace and about how many away wins there are in the Premier League now. There was only one away, win, well, one home win on Saturday. That was the Liverpool, Liverpool game. game the yeah. rest were all away. Um, teams are much more suited to counter-attacking now. Mm-hmm. And teams are built to counter-attack, counter-attack away from home. So they sit back, they wait for the other team to come on them and then they hit them on the break. Palace are set up to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, they do. At they home use their speed, and away. Yeah. And yeah. I think that while it not might not be the most attractive football to look at yeah, all the time, apart from when they have those one or two breaks, it's effective for a team like Palace. Yeah. And they, they they punish teams like United with because if you have Wilfred Saha at the front of your counter attack, yeah. You're going to get a few chances. Raw pace alone will dictate that you're going to create. You're going to get chances if the ball goes anywhere near him. Like to be honest, though, for, like I wouldn't be number one. Uh, I wouldn't be the, the head of the Roy Hodgson fan club to be honest. But if I had that back four, maybe Barry Van Anholt, who is a good player, 
I'd be protecting that back four too. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is dated and it is lacking for a Premier League standard that back four absolutely so I can understand why they do protect it but as you said it's not the most attractive football in the world but if they can get results and like last year after six games don't give them a chance of surviving and they nearly ended up in the top half so they obviously can play obviously it's interesting with Zaha does he doesn't want to be there everyone knows that Like, yeah. but it, how will that go throughout he, the season we don't know he's playing he played well at the weekend he, yeah he maybe did, he'll just forget it and play there was no signs that he didn't want to be there it's not like a Christian Eriksen situation where they have to leave him on the bench because they're not sure how he's going to perform yeah like he, 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 well you see Palace don't have the luxury of leaving Zaha on the on the bench like Spurs do with, yeah, with Eriksen. Yeah, yeah. It's different. It's it's completely necessity rather than luxury. I think I have to mention Andre Ayew from the weekend. He was mm-hmm. like a man possessed. Yeah, I never never ever rated him as a player all of last season. He's just like one of these run of the mill bottom middle table strikers. But this weekend, I don't know what came over him. But he was brilliant. He was class. He was probably a man of the match for me. Yeah, he worked incredibly hard. He seemed to be everywhere and he obviously got the goal. So he, I think it was his first Premier League goal since February or something like that. So I, I remember seeing the stat. It was it was a long, long time for a Premier League striker. But um, he was everywhere. And yeah, I think you're right. I would have given him man of the match, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And over at Villa, Tyrone Mings, he's a player, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't see much of him, but um, from what I've heard, yeah, does it? My, a friend of mine is a very, very keen championship uh, watcher, and he ra- rants and raves over him. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to be at Villa for very long. I thought he was class at the weekend. I thought he was really good. Um, I think he's better, better than the the squad he's in. Um. Reminds me a little bit, and I might be jumping the gun by saying this, and I might be issuing another apology next week. Go on. But he reminds me a bit of Virgil Van Dyke. Ooh, ooh, that's a. I I like the way that this has happened now. Obviously, we were recording it on the Thursday evening. He's just been named UEFA Player Player of the Year. So I think it's it's funny how you can go from playing from Southampton two years ago to becoming the standard bearer that everyone in the world is compared against it, it's gas so look if you can make the jump from a Southampton player you can do it as a, from a Villa player exactly so yeah. that it, is a, I think he, he's, he's a hot young prospect I think he's still a little bit kind of erratic he does one or two crazy things like he went in for one challenge and nearly fucking knocked himself out at the weekend but was, overall he's been brilliant he's brilliant another player that really repressed me at Villa um, was the man mountain up front Wesley yeah, yeah, geez, he took the goal really well, didn't he? He was like for a man of his size, his movement. <laughs> he's and, a monster. He is a monster. <laughs> he's he's a giant. Now I don't think he's, I don't think he's suited to the Premier League. We've seen a lot of big players like that, Christian Benteke types that just yeah, they they they're good at a level, but they can't really step it up. I I think he might be one of those players, but. I have to say he played. He was really good at the weekend, and he took his goal very. Well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he'll he will be an interesting one as to to watch as the season goes on. Will he make his mark? Because um, as you said, strikers that tend to overpower defenders don't tend to do too well because obviously we know the Premier League is probably the most physical league yeah, in the world. Yeah, they need a little bit of finesse to go with it. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he's like in set pieces and corners and stuff like that. A lot of the time big players are probably the worst at heading the ball so you yeah. know you, you, you can think oh it's alright we have a 6 foot 7 monster in the middle of the park but if he can't jump off the ground he's <laughs> yeah, no it, use you it, know so it'll be interesting to see how he, how the season pans out for him 
Palace and Villa go on so what do you th- what do you think I think Selhurst Park is and again another long journey for the away team I wouldn't fancy it but uh, Selhurst Park for me is a place that I will go to watch a football match before I die despite having no allegiance whatsoever to the club because yeah I just want to I just want to sing glad all over with it, <laughs> it's just it's an unreal it's just I guarantee uh, you that the one time I go they won't score a goal <laughs> nobody will sing glad glad all over <laughs> no on your luck probably yeah. But um, I think it. I just think Palace might have enough at home for Villa, but it'll be interesting to see. This is a this is an intriguing game. I think this is yeah. a this is a game where it will afford both teams an opportunity to show what they're about. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think Villa's season is going to be built at Villa Park. I think mm-hmm. the going away from home is not going to suit them so I th- I'm just going to go with Palace on this one I think they're, Palace will take a 1 or 2 nil probably it'll be smashing grab jab with Villa away from home for sure they, yeah. they'll shut up shop and see if they, what they can they, what they can steal off teams which I don't reckon it'll be too much because they can look a small bit porous at the back they've conceded a good raft of goals already even though they didn't concede last weekend they've conceded 5 I think already and uh, I can see that trend continuing I would tend to agree with you and I will go with Palace yeah, I'll go Palace 2-0. Yeah, great. I, I, I like the sound of that. I yeah. like the sound of that. 2-0. So let's go on to the hot new manager, Frank Lampard. Did very well at the weekend. And what appears to be a psychotic manager is Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Take over there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I am... Um, I, I just I was astounded by uh, the interview after the game at uh, the weekend what's his, name? his surname Green is it yeah yeah where, where he said it wasn't enough for his players to play their best um, and that the fans shouldn't be cheering players that have done their best yeah I saw that it was, I was looking at it, I was watching obviously a match of the day and I, my eyebrow kind of raised like this fella is crazy <laughs> this fella is actually crazy but um, I think maybe he's going for the you know the old school kind of Ferguson hairdryer treatment or you know not letting the players getting too carried away with a loss you can understand that but the game's changed a little bit small bit yeah like they, they're going to take their start to the Premier League so far like yeah a win a draw and a loss yeah four points after three games they'll take that like they're not they're, they're sitting uh, top half of the table like they're going to be happy enough now we were talking last week about will Chelsea translate uh, the, the, the good form they've been showing in spurts and they did they, they did ish they did ish I, again again we're seeing this again from Chelsea yeah. they cannot defend like, and it's going to come back and haunt them but they are scoring at the we, we we called this game beforehand Chelsea Norwich as it was going to be a goal fest because yeah. there are two teams that have started this season playing open expansive football with horrific defending <laughs> yeah, it's oh I can't believe Chelsea are that bad at the back like it's, Chelsea, Chelsea until until Rudiger comes back I think Chelsea fans are in for a roller coaster of a season Fair play to Tommy Abraham for silencing his doubters. Yeah, big I mean, time. People have spent the last couple of weeks talking about how he's not going to cut it in the Premier League. He's not a Premier League player, this, that and the other. His first goal was class. It was, it really was. And his second one wasn't far behind it. He did really well. Chelsea, again, played really well. So did Norwich. Timo Pukki. Again. Where did he come from? <laughs> five, five goals in the first three games for him. But we're just looking here. Chelsea have conceded seven and three. Norwich have conceded eight and three. It's going to be a white knuckle ride if you're a fan of either of those clubs this season. Yeah, don't Chelsea be are, on goal difference for either of them. No, definitely, not, <laughs> definitely not. But uh, I like in relation to this weekend's fixture. I do at home. 
I do see Chelsea having too much for Sheffield Wilder they're a tough nut to crack they don't have much going forward and to me I think Chelsea will be able to break them down and I think that issue at the back is going to be addressed somehow soon yeah. they're good. They're, they're, it's not good Chelsea aren't going to defend as badly as they've started no, all I, 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 agree. Like, I agree I'm not too far, sure how far Rudiger is away from returning either am I to be honest um, but. I think I think Lampard should seriously consider looking at putting Aspilicueta into the as a centre half he's played there before and he, he's played really well there and Kurt Zuma is a liability big time big time absolute liability um, I do think though that Chelsea are playing really good football I think it'll be too much for Sheffield United I don't mm. think Sheffield United will even get a chance to get near the defence mm. to put them under pressure yeah. so this is probably the perfect game for Chelsea I reckon defense. I agree I agree I don't I see Sheffield sitting back and absorbing or trying to absorb what Chelsea throw at him yeah. I suppose another word as well on Mason Mount he looks like uh, as we were talking about Daniel James goal, yeah, mate, goal at the weekend he looks like he's a hot hot prospect he looks like a great player he does look mm. like a great player cocky yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. for sure maybe you need it I know I was, I was slating Daniel James for the celebration but yeah maybe that's what you need as such a youngster breaking into the Premier League these days you may yeah. you probably have to believe that you're good enough and that you have to show it to people as well there's a few players like that that all look very similar but very good coming through with a few Premier League clubs you've got Daniel James Mason Mount and then Madison at, at James the, Madison James yeah, Madison's yeah. very similar player but looks really good yeah I mean there's I love to see new young players coming through in the Premier League because mm. for a long time there wasn't enough of it. It was just buying in experienced yeah. players. So and I suppose just to cut across here for a second, I think people can forget as well how young Trent Alexander-Arnold is and, exactly, and the yeah. impact he's had just because he's slotted in seamlessly and it feels like he's been a, a fixture of that defence for quite a while because he has. Yeah. You kind of forget that he's, what, 19 or 20? And yeah, that he, I mean, even Marcus Rashford's only a kid. Like. Exactly, yeah. Like You forget about these players that they're so young, but... Um, you probably have to have that little bit of something about you to be uh, to be kind of slotting into a big side at that age that early. Yeah, and yeah. Mount I'm, seems to have it. Exactly, exactly. And there's def there's definitely something. I mean, there's players, young players that come through like Dom Solanke last year at Liverpool. Mm. He was at the under twenty one World Cup to- just before he came to Liverpool, top scorer, just couldn't cut it in the Premier yeah. League. And he's gone to Bournemouth now and still can't cut it. So yeah. there is, I suppose, you need to have that little bit of cockiness about you to match your skill. And these guys seem to have it in abundance. Big time, big time. I, I think this is a good fixture for Chelsea to get a bit of a run going now. And I can see them winning two, yeah, two nil would be my guess. Yeah. They need to start picking up a few more points now. like Because while it's grand start season, is small bit shakily. Eventually, you're going to be too far behind and... Oh we've seen in the Premier League at the, uh, the upper echelon how hard it is to gain ground on teams because they just don't surrender that many points that yeah. often and like if you're surrendering points left right and centre you're leaving yourself too much of a hill to climb and I think they need to start they need to start uh, sorry they need to stop conceding that many goals like they've conceded seven goals in three that's an average of 2.33 goals conceded a game that means you're going to have to score three a game on average to win a Premier League game absolutely and can't be doing that and Chelsea's real target would be the likes of Spurs and Arsenal mm. and both who are kind of faltering at the moment so now is the time when Chelsea should be looking yeah. to try and make a bit of ground on those if, they're, if they are capable of doing so maybe there's just a case of Chelsea just trying to ride this season out until the transfer ban is lifted and then they just go again yeah I'd imagine that's one thing we maybe haven't factored into it and we were talking about Lampard and the fact that he might be in trouble if Chelsea don't get a run going that people mightn't buy into his system or they mightn't think that he's up to it but 
we kind of forget that they lost their best player and couldn't really replace him you know so he was handed a kind of a raw deal before he even started really and yeah but I mean they lost, I know, they, they I know lost the best player but it, it is essentially he does still essentially apart from Eden Hazard have the same squad that Conte won the league with a couple yeah. of seasons beforehand and Maurizio Sarri won the Europa the Europa with so yeah I know maybe Eden maybe Hazard didn't do that on his own like he didn't but he's a big help I don't know maybe I'm giving Frank Lamper too much rope maybe but I don't know I just think that it's not the easiest of times to be the Chelsea manager right no. now maybe and as we've seen that defence is fairly porous yeah I think he will be given grace on the back that they have no transfer window and he'll probably if if he doesn't do horrendously going forward he will probably be judged on his signings and what he does with his signings but as I said last week I really like him as a manager I like the, the style of football they're playing and yeah they're they, exciting to watch if they can shore up at the back and play that style of football Pulisic 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 is looking like he's doing the business in Pedro I think he's probably underrated in my opinion oh god I can't stand Pedro (laughs) (laughs) is that from his Barca days or what oh it's just uh, like even as a Barca player like I love Barcelona but even as a Barca player just just something about him I just didn't like even when he played for Spain and then when he came to Chelsea I was like oh god now he's in the Premier League (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I think he's slightly underrated but he scores goals yeah he does and he scores goals in big games and he creates too I I like Pedro I think he's slightly underrated Pulisic looks like he's going to have an impact I thought Abraham would be the underling of Giroud for a while but now it appears not and in fairness he's rewarded Lampard's loyalty that's just another point maybe that we should Abraham and Mount are being given chances as young players maybe it reflects the fact that Lampard got a chance as a, a very young player when he came into the West Ham yeah, side yeah. maybe he's willing to take a leap of faith because someone took it on him do you yeah, know and yeah. it might might translate as the, uh, as this maybe he'll be proven right but uh, just an interesting fact that maybe he won't be afraid to rejuvenate the squad with youth yeah. so be an interesting one to keep an eye on as well, the season goes on even before the transfer ban it did appear that maybe Abramovich is getting a little bit bored of his project yeah. and wasn't throwing the money at it that he was so maybe Lampard has gone in there and he knows he has to build from the bottom up it's not just yeah. a matter of going it won't be an open checkbook no, anymore no, it doesn't appear it doesn't that way like so um, I'm going to go with 2-0 Chelsea on that one I would I think Chelsea could do a job here I'm going to take leap of faith and go 4-0 Chelsea well you've added two goals to your first prediction that you made when we started talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were talking so long the game we kicking off and we're going to kick on yeah I've talked myself into a big Chelsea win so we're going 4-0 okay. Chelsea win. yeah uh, City Brighton <laughs> is it even worth talking about no uh, Brighton probably go down City will probably win the league and I'd say City will probably win this game by 5 or 6 goals that's I, I don't think we need to spend too much time in this City they are an absolute monster even at times they did look under pressure against Bournemouth last weekend but found a way they tend to in the Premier League obviously we see in the, the Champions League things just do not go right for them or they can collapse in the Champions League but in the league it just looks and it, it, like I, even when like you had the Arsenal Invincibles or when United were in their peak there never was an air of inevitability yeah. about a team winning a game but this they just when the, when the, the minute the game starts it's just we're going to win it's, yeah, it just we, seems like they're happy we're going to win and that's it and they always find a way we spoke about Barcelona earlier and City basically are on the same level as as Pep's Barcelona side and probably Rijkaard's before that yeah it, it it's it's 
it is it's a sad fact that the Premier League has become a place where there's one side that's so far ahead yeah. that they're just going to walk the league it's something that we've always we've always slagged off other leagues like the Scottish League and the, the German League and as it, in, to a certain extent the Spanish League for being like that and the Premier League's always been a little bit more competitive in around the top four the top six and then you had your, your different phases going down through but it looks like it looks like City are just miles ahead miles yeah. ahead and something a game like Brighton at the City of Manchester Stadium is just cannon fodder for them yeah I just don't see how this isn't a demolition job like it took Jesus Christ himself intervening in the Spurs game for Spurs to get a draw so <laughs> I don't know what Brighton yeah. would have to do I think they'd have to invoke every religious deity they can and I don't still don't think that would be enough to, yeah, to muster yeah. a result no I, I absolutely not I'm going to go at least four goals for City on this one as yeah. well yeah easily yeah they'll cover whatever handicap the bookmakers are offering they'll cover it I'll be my guess I just don't see how they want to do that like well on that absolutely horrifying note we'll take a wee break and we'll come back a bit and talk <laughs> about the last three games of the weekend Welcome back into the final part of the Premier League preview podcast. See how easily I can say it now. It's been an emotional journey, yeah. <laughs> right, let's We've get got three in. games left to talk about West Ham, Norwich, Leicester, Bournemouth, Burnley, Liverpool. Let's talk about West Ham. Good start to the season, 1-3-1 uh, last week against, uh, admittedly, a, a shocking um, Watford performance. But um, I think the talking point is the new signing from France, or from Germany, sorry, but he is French, Halle. So yeah. I, think, I, can't, I think that's how you pronounce it it looks holler but I think it's Halle yeah. Sebastian Halle he looks a f- specimen of a human being he is extremely athletic he pulled did you did you see the did you see the game or the highlights I did I did you see the, the attempted game, yeah. I don't even know what you'd call it like the one he didn't score with yeah. the, I am a tarantula kick or something you call it <laughs> I don't even know what he did it was yeah. like he had 12 legs but he nearly pulled it off he looks extremely lively He's obviously the club record signing. And then the goal he did score, a very acrobatic bicycle as well. That was very well taken. Or would, would you call it a bicycle or what? Would you, it was kind of side on, like so. Let's, let's call it a half bicycle. Yeah, we'll go. Let's yeah. call it a penny. A unicycle, is that what we're calling it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he looks, he, he looks like he's going to be exciting to watch throughout the season. Norwich, then, on the other hand, obviously we already have talked about them in detail because of their great start to the season. They've scored. Team Apuki has been kind of the highlight of the Premier League nearly in one way so far he scored five in his first three the, the football Norwich play is lovely I think this can be a really good match to watch actually I think you're going to yeah. see goals both sides here I heard someone this week say that West Ham's current 11 is the best 11 they've had in the Premier League era mm. which I think might be a bit of a stretch but you know mightn't be a million miles off either yeah. I think Mark Noble who I've always considered to be a somewhat overrated player and just got his plaudits because he was one of their own I think he's matured into a class midfielder. He's like he's like the West Ham Perlo. Yeah, he kind of he always reminded me of James Milner kind of. He's yeah. this understated type of figure. Nothing flashy about him, but he always gets the job done. Mr. Reliable. Bro. And the same they both take penalties because of that. They're just they're the type of fellas you could set your watch to. But he's I think he's one of these guys that kind of losing his pace suited him. Maybe because it, yeah, yeah, I understand. Because he he, he, he eventually ha- accepted the limitation. But when he doesn't have to do that much running, he can sit in midfield and be the fulcrum of the team. Mm. I remember Roy Keane doing it in his latter years at um, United no, when, it, when his hips and knees went, and 
now don't get me wrong I'm not saying that Mark yeah, is, yeah, like yeah, is a different kettle of fish but I do think that slowing down and not trying to be all over the pitch box to box midfielder has really suited him and I think he's grown with his limitations and I think he's really good I think Manuel, Manuel Lanzini who Spurs tried really hard to sign mm-hmm. is a class player yeah and, he is and, and I think he's he could probably play in three or four of the top six teams in the yeah, Premier League yeah agreed I like Anderson too I think he's a baller yeah he's a good player mm. and Mikel Antonio yeah like they have like I, last week I said that the previous season's West Ham side was one of the most immobile midfields I've ever seen but I think now West Ham seem to have all this pace out of nowhere the yeah. likes of Antonio Holler looks like a player Anderson mm. looks class yeah Lanzini is a tricky number 10 type player I think things are looking good for West Ham but it's a long time since West Ham have been able to say things are looking good for West Ham and they don't even they don't seem to have 42 players injured yeah that that, that is a big help alright yeah no I agree with you they look good and it's a good time to be a West Ham fan new stadium it just it's a club now with kind of mo- mo- kind of momentum behind it I think buoyancy, yeah. there is there is there's a, there's a feel good atmosphere around the club as you said that hasn't been for a while Getting back to the fixture at hand, I think this will be a pick of the weekend for me in excitement-wise. I think two teams that kind of yeah. don't really have much interest in defending too much. Like Norwich, definitely not. How Nor- N- Norwich have decided that they're going to just blitz the entire Premier League and not defend once. Yeah, exactly. The, it, there could be goals in this game, I think. Oh, I'd say, I'd say so, Ted. Yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, um, I would reckon I'm going to go with... 3-2 West Ham I think yeah. this is going to be a proper game yeah I think it's going to be a West Ham win and I did say last week that I think Norwich's gung-ho approach is going to be their downfall yeah I think they're going to end up losing a lot of games 3-2 5-4 2-1 and just the disappointment is going to continually happen and I think this is going to be one of those games and I'm going to go for maybe a 3-2 West Ham yeah and I think oh we're agree- in agreement I don't know I think eventually the team of Pookie show as exciting as it is right now will come to an end soon oh yeah he's not going to continue absolutely. in his form he's and then we'll find out where Norwich are like he reminds me of uh, Michu at Swansea a few years yeah. ago yeah <laughs> yes you know, yes he just yes. has this like six weeks where he just can't stop scoring goals and then you'll never hear from him again yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, there was some interesting thing about him. He was playing in like the Spanish third division or something recently. Player manager of some sp- uh, team in the Spanish second or third division. Yeah, yeah. Probably still doing that weird ear celebration as well. <laughs> <Probably>, yeah, <laughs> in front of twenty people. Yeah. But um, okay, we'll kick on, sure. Leicester, Bournemouth. Yeah, Leicester. Another t- another game that could be quite interesting. I I reckon. I think this could be a lovely game. Yeah, yeah. We spoke about in in depth last week about Leicester and how mm-hmm. um Brendan Rodgers he, he likes to have his teams playing well. Bournemouth are. <laughs> are a very industrial team they get the job done yeah Eddie Howe the longest serving Premier League manager Eddie yeah. Howe yeah I mean he's only 16 years old <laughs> yeah. it's some achievement yeah <laughs> some achievement but um, he, he looks younger than some of the players like. Yeah. but uh, I think big loss for Bournemouth now will be Charlie Daniels like, I think he dislocated his knee or something yeah. along those yeah. lines last week just after coming fighting hard to come back from an, a knee injury again so it looks like they're going to be without him and he's kind of a very a very focal player for them. Yeah. So I think that that'll hurt them a bit. But um, I I like Bournemouth. I like the way they play. I I I'm yeah. a bit of a like like you're a like you're a Southampton fan by a bit of a Bournemouth one myself. Yeah. But um, 
Leicester play lovely attractive football they have a great midfield Vardy up front ages like a fine wine yeah. seems to be getting faster if anything yeah um, well I, I, <laughs> he was he was playing with a vengeance at the weekend yeah he had against, a point to prove against yeah, absolutely he was obviously he has a Sheffield Wednesday background they played Sheffield United at the weekend he was getting continually booed by the fans and when he got his chance he put every bit of anger behind that yeah. ball I'm surprised the net didn't come off he hit it that hard <laughs> yeah he beat the goalie near side and, and you couldn't even couldn't even be given out it to the goalie because it was just a lightning strike like it just yeah. there was no saving it but um, I just I suppose we'll have to be succinct or we'll be here until Saturday morning Um, I would say Leicester in this but I think it's going to be a cracker of a game I'm going to go Leicester 2-1 yeah I'm going to go Leicester 2-0 mm. yeah I, I just I I uh, Bournemouth are, are are a real um, vitality stadium side. Maybe yeah. they don't they don't travel well, and uh, I think I I don't think this is going to be a great season for Bournemouth because they haven't really improved their squad, no. and they don't really have the means to improve their squad. So I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna get relegated by any means. But I just think they're gonna struggle, especially away from home. And I think Leicester can do them two 0 Yeah, agreed. I think Leicester win for sure. Yeah. Which brings us on to a very sticky fixture. Yeah. Much stickier than it sounds. Liverpool go to Turf Moor. Yeah. Always a kind of fixture that I wince at as a Liverpool fan when I see it going, oh no, not to Burnley. Yeah. It's just, they seem to be a kind of a bogey team like Palace were for us for a while. It's just not a place that we travel well to and they're just a sticky team I think they yeah. showed that against Arsenal Arsenal shook them off eventually but when they they're, they're very good at sitting back and absorbing pressure and when um, uh, against cl- clubs that like playing against teams like Liverpool they like playing against a team that will sit back well obviously they prefer if you come at them they'll counter with, counter you with speed and wipe you out but teams just aren't stupid enough to do that so they sit back against Liverpool and Bournemouth, or Burnley even though they're going to be at home will sit back and try and counter and they're, we saw it against Arsenal they're effective on the counter they, they, obviously Barnes got a scrappy goal but they're well, they had a couple of more chances they, they created that they may have, they probably should have taken so I don't know I just don't like this fixture it's a fixture I hate looking at every year Burnley away when I, as a Liverpool yeah. fan now while Liverpool have looked cracking at the start of the season without being spectacular at the back that must be said they're starting to look like they're not the rock solid defence that they were last year albeit Virgil van Dijk has started where he's left off last season he's been incredible Yeah, but um, does it I don't know just this high line that Liverpool are playing worries me a small bit now they they, they went they did that in the first two games alright and at the in the Super Cup in the Super Cup mm. but they didn't seem to do it against Arsenal although they didn't need to Arsenal couldn't touch them yeah, yeah. to be honest yeah. yeah they defended from the front and they broke Arsenal's yeah. heart early yeah. Arsenal couldn't get out of their own half and they were under constant pressure from the get go so it's hard to judge Liverpool's back forward against that to be honest but um, Liverpool might revert even though they're away from home they might revert to the high line again because Burnley don't have that speed up front like yeah Burnley they can't get in behind you with Barnes to be th- I don't, they just won't work like that they, they'll be off rating off scraps yeah I, I we, we spoke about Newcastle doing a job on Spurs and sitting in and you know a lot of teams have done that to Liverpool in the past couple of years and there's yeah. all been all this talk of Liverpool not having the plan B and this that and the other now last season it only happened a few times but the season before it happened loads of times Indeed. and there was so many draws and so many scrappy 1-0 losses yeah. and Burnley is the side that does it all the time does mm. it all the time although I do think Liverpool is better equipped now to are better equipped now to deal with that in 
that they don't only have one way of playing. Yeah. And Andy Robinson and Trent Alexander and Trent Alexander Arnold, primarily preview podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Trent Alexander Arnold has um they they've given us an extra option. We're not just trying to play through the middle all the time. Yeah. I have to say for Liverpool Bobby Firmino has started this season oh. unbelievably. I mean, the touches he had against Arsenal. Yeah. Jesus it Christ, was I was incredible. weak. <laughs> yeah, it was actually incredible. You might look at the stats of the game and think, ah, he didn't really feature much, but he was just on it. Yeah. I, I, even on match of the day, it was um, Danny Murphy said he just goes, he is bang at it so far. Like even, is it, is it Thierry Henry came out and said oh, he thinks he's the most complete centre forward at the, in the Premier League at the minute yeah, Van Dijk has said he's the best player he's ever played with it's, and it's he's unreal. starting to show it at the start of this season Absolutely. he is while he may not score a, a host of goals but his little flicks and touches his brain just seems to work a, a yeah. bit quicker than yeah. everyone else's he, he has his touch reminds me of uh, Berbatov he just has such a silky touch yeah, yeah. but he also has a bit of kind of a lot of intelligence to go with it and, and he's not a lazy bollocks like Berbatov was works his, <laughs> yeah. he works works his heart off and he and he defends from the front but I could eulogise him about him all night long and I'm not going to yeah. well let's call a score on this one I will go with 2-0 Liverpool but it won't be a comfortable 2-0 it'll be a get a goal at the start of the second half maybe to go 1-0 up and then get a constant or get a a kind of a confirmation goal at the end to, to, to seal the result but I think this will be hard fought Burnley might be tough enough to break down but you did mention the fact now that we we sorry, I shouldn't say that we have to be new, we have to be impartial in this podcast Sean okay yeah you've been uh, very bad at being impartial yeah this I know week. I have but I think Liverpool um have more than one way to skin a cat now yeah. before we didn't and yeah. I think they will find a way easier than they used to before and teams that sit in now against us are probably inviting the Wolves to the door a bit yeah. more than they would have been a few years ago so I don't think that is the best plan of action against Liverpool at the minute and we're definitely more of a threat now from set pieces with VVD and Matip is not yeah. afraid to score a goal or two. Yeah. so I just see us scoring goals kind of from from every, from from every all avenues now yeah. it mightn't happen all the time but I just think we should have enough for Burnley and it'll be 2-0 Liverpool I reckon yeah I think it's it's one of those odd games that if Liverpool score early, then it could be a route. That's it, because Because yeah. Burnley have to come out yeah. and play then. Yeah. Especially but, at home, they're going to have to go and try and salvage a, a point. Exactly, but if it's a case that Burnley ma- managed to dig in for 80 or 90 minutes, then it could be a nil all or, or a 1-0 yeah. for Liverpool. It's a really tough tough one to call in that respect. And it has to be said that, like, fair play to Sean Dyche, he's like, yeah. with very very average players and limited resources and limited resources is an understatement like. yeah he, he does very well and he, he does what probably what Steve Bruce is trying to do yeah you know agreed um, so I'm going to go 1-0 Liverpool yeah I'll go 2-0 but it'll be uh, one of those like you, you see you saw it a lot maybe last year Liverpool were getting results without maybe putting in the best performances they were winning 2-0 yeah. in places that they mightn't have deserved it and I think this will be one of those might be a very even tough game but I think Liverpool will edge it just that little bit of class we have we have more players now than ever before that have that little bit of class that can turn a game on its head in a second and I think one or one of those will end up turning the game in our favour and we'll eventually get get a goal or two to win it yeah just while we're talking about Liverpool and before we wrap up um, thoughts on Jordan Shakiri. In, ge- in general like or I, I know he's come out recently and he's disappointed he's not getting more of a look and he said he's going to 
not take it personally but he's going to use it as motivation to I think his phrase was to right the wrong and to find a way into the squad whatever he, way he can but I just don't know if he fits into that like I don't know if he fits into the midfield that Klopp wants to play I just don't get that I don't think he does he looks to be blacklisted or something to me like I Especially Maybe that interview he gave uh, has has. Uh, I, I think it was was it after the, was was it after the Southampton game? I think it was after the Southampton game that he said that he was disappointed that he hadn't been included more. Mm. And but he did. It sounded kind of motivational that he was like, "I'm going to use it anyway as motivation yeah. anyway I can to get in." So unless something has happened since, but I just don't think for me he works hard enough without the ball yeah. to be in Claps midfield, and that's what that midfield is based on. I thought he would have got some minutes uh, when Mane was being worked back into the team after coming back and, and Salah coming back from yeah, the, maybe the in international the tournament. Yeah. Even Bobby was coming back from an international tournament. Uh, it seems to be Origi is miles ahead of him in the pecking yeah. order. Oh, in the front three, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. And you have Ox. And Ox and Milner Mil- then. Yeah, and Milner obviously there as well who hasn't been starting recently in the midfield. And the two of them will work their proverbial asses off. Yes. So... I don't see a future for him really no. um, I think he'll get the odd start here and there once we start playing the Champions League and the squad is a bit more under pressure so yeah, maybe a few Carabao Cup games yeah, or he'll, play, he'll, play, he'll play those for sure yeah, yeah. but uh, he might get a one or two Premier League starts and he, it'll be his chance to, to prove it but I just don't see him doing it I'd see him uh, exiting the building yeah I have a funny feeling he might be gone before Sunday Yeah, do you reckon? yeah I don't know I, it just seemed after such a bright start um, he obviously he wasn't a first team starter, but he was the first choice to come off the bench when he arrived. Yeah, and he just from kind of March last year, he just got blacklisted. I don't know what, so maybe something's happened behind the scenes. But anyway, that's got yeah not a whole lot to do with this Premier League preview podcast. Yeah, that's kind of the two of us is having a general conversation and forgetting that we had microphones in our hands and yes, kind of exactly. thing was running. But sure, look, anyway. you can expect more of that if you're going to be listening to this podcast. The the, the rantings of two lunatics. So. If you've if you've been listening this long anyway, you're likely in, we're likely in good company with you. So yeah, I'm sure you enjoyed it. Excellent, and thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you are listening, uh, we appreciate every listener we get, even if it is only seven or eight. Well, now somebody's listening to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, and follow us on Twitter as well at Premier League Pod- Podcast. And don't follow us at Premier League Podcast because you won't find us there. All right, cool. But if you go and look for Premier underscore Podcast. Oh, well, then there, there you go. Yeah, do that. And we're also on Facebook at Premier League Preview Podcast. Ah, that's where I got confused here. Yeah. yeah. And we have a web address, which is plpreview.com, but there's nothing there, so don't bother going. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to buy that domain, they're more than welcome to put in an offer. <laughs> and obviously, uh, whatever format you're listening to this podcast whether it's apple podcasts because we will be there soon or spotify or anchor or soundcloud make sure to subscribe tell your friends share the wealth and we'll see you next week good luck